we start the day before with setting up the tents up on the harbor front, which is a beautiful setting in Portia to have this make a fair Long Island. That's one of the perks of coming to our fair. But the highlight really was just seeing that the magic never died. We were gone for two years, at least paused for two years officially, but the magic never died. You can think of it like a force, this magic force that can be created and directed and focused to generate wonder, curiosity, and ingenuity. It's the magic of making and Maker Faire, and it can multiply in any community once you find it there. It's a magic that changes lives. Welcome to MakeCast. I'm Dale Doherty, and I'm joined today by two Maker Faire producers from Maker Faire Long Island, which just took place. I wanted to capture their <laughs> insights and energy that comes off of having produced a Maker Faire. I'm going to ask them to each introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Angeline Udex. I'm the Executive Director of the Long Island Explorium, World Children's Museum in Science and Engineering, and we are the producers of Maker Faire Long Island, and I am the co-producer with Lisa, my partner in crime, co-producer, <laughs> everything that I need to stay sane. We just had a Maker Faire Long Island just this past weekend on Saturday. Where is your science museum? We're located in Port Jefferson Village on Long Island. So in the east end of Long Island, in New York. And Lisa, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Lisa Colette Rodriguez, Director of Digital Media Marketing and co-producer of Make It Fair with Angelique. Just really excited. It's been a world I wear many hats, especially with this fair. But it's yeah. Wonderful. Angeline, you have produced Maker Fair prior to the pandemic, and then you had maybe a two-year gap? Yes. We all had a two-year gap in our psyche. So yes, we were not in person for the past two years, but we did have it virtually the first year in 2020. Correct, yeah. Lisa? Yeah. And we yeah. had a, um, the Empire State Maker Fair where we had all the producers in New York State come together and put a really phenomenal program virtually. And we also experimented with hosting a uh, student maker day virtually also, which was a phenomenal hit. Totally, it's totally exceeded our expectations. So we did, regardless, we had it virtually. It was still a very much received program. Well, that's great. So how did it feel to come back in person on a weekend? We made the decision pretty late in the game. And under normal circumstances, we would be planning this a year and a half even ahead of time. And we just made the decision probably in January. And we said, we're doing this. We're pulling this off in June. It was the support we had from makers to the community, to our staff and our volunteers was just off the charts. Everybody was just so on board and excited about having it. And they truly saw the value of this program. It wasn't just, it, it represented, or at least it symbolizes something more than just a one-day event. It was something that this is part of who they are, part of who we are, and something that was paused for two years and now we're back again. We were very excited to have it. We knew that this was something that would be well-received. It was challenging, but it was a good challenge to have. Yeah. We, we wanted to pull it off and we did really well, I thought. It is a lot of work. Oh, yes. That. <laughs> and it, but it feels worth it, doesn't it? When you see yeah. the people show up. And I think it's always struck me is this is such a great family event that you get lots of perspectives from young and old looking at what makers are doing. It really is something that I say it and I use the term, but it, there, there is a certain magic to the fair. Uh, science is magic. And STEM is magic. Seeing that connection between 
every age group going there and seeing something with wonder in their eyes and seeing the ingenuity on display, being inspired is a beautiful thing. It's something that's intangible, that's hard to quantify and describe, but it's definitely there. You were able to attract makers, not just from your immediate vicinity, but really from the broader New York area, but also outside of New York as, as well, right? I was very excited, especially this year with coming back that I wanted, but we, we all want to come back have a bang. And we were very fortunate. These were pieces that we were working on throughout the pandemic. And we had to change course. So I went back to reaching out to them and being able to get Rikers Capital Electron and Busters Jr. and people from the tri state area and across the United States was amazing. It was really incredible to be able to turn around such a short period of time, one, once we had a confirmation and get everyone together. It was exciting. Angelie, what were some of the highlights for you? This, as you said, is it was a lot of work. We start the day before with setting up the tents up on the harbor front, which is a beautiful setting in Port to have this Maker Fair Long Island. That's one of the perks of coming to our fair. But the highlight really was just seeing that the magic never died. We were gone for two years, at least paused for two years officially, but the magic never died. Like Lisa was saying that, just seeing people just back, like not missing a beat. They came. Their eyes were open. It was this discovery, right? Scientists say, you know, science is discovery. And we're talking about science because you know, we're a science museum. And it's this discovery process that everybody goes through when they come to the fair. Whether you're from zero to 99, we say. And everybody was just so excited from table to table. Nothing ever was something that they're like, oh, this is boring. We've seen this. No, it's every, oh my goodness, what now? What's next? And everything was such a joy. So the highlight really for me was just seeing that this is something that's, it's never going to get old. It's right. never going to get old. This is something that's so core to your being as a human being, as well as to the community and to the larger mindset that right. this is what we need and not just a want. I like that expression that it's core to being human and core to having a community. In particular with the making stuff, we don't always see that in our community. It occurs sometimes in private or behind walls. And to bring it out in public, it's a reflection of the community to see it at a maker fair. Yeah, we agree. I, mean, I think we had participants, makers from our Storybook University who brought such phenomenal, incredibly fun, but interesting, thought-provoking, innovative, hands-on activities. And everybody was just so engaged. This is where you, you bring the community, you bring the knowledge and the expertise from a huge institution like Storybrook University out into the community and the community understands what's going on and appreciates it. So when there's interactions from all sectors or segments of society and people know, I think that breaks down so many kind of barriers to understanding and it makes everybody thrive better. And I, I, I still think that this is so core to what we need as human beings. It's a bit of turning the mission of the Science Center like inside out. You have a wonderful setting. It's making it fun. It's accessible. And there are just so many different perspectives. I like that you have students from Stony Brook coming. Um, I guess I think, uh, again, that's another example of we sometimes don't see inside their walls of what's going on, what those projects are. Is with any particular project come to mind that you saw? some of the students do? We had so many. I think it almost, I feel bad. It's, it seems like a blur to me. I, I know what you mean. It was just wild. And I think every makeup producer will probably understand what I say. Yeah, it's exactly. wild. 
Um, it, like with press asks you, what's your favorite project? Are you just like everything? everything. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard as a producer. It's a different experience as a participant in going to the fair. We see everything. We love every exhibit. And what I love about it is that we have so many different types of diverse displays of this agility. We have university. We have people that made their own things in the garage to crafters to this, that. Getting a perspective that I have family and friends that went to the fair and seeing what they, how they experienced the fair is a different thing, but they loved it all. They went from every floor to the tents and they're saying, we love this, we love that. There was biology things that they, we put things on our arms and they came home and they started, they started building. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that it didn't stop there. Yeah. They took it and they were so inspired. They went home, start pulling out all their things that they could build with and do experiments. So there were side experiments going on that weekend. They were building forts going on that weekend. So it's not just one day. That warms my heart to hear that. That's why I think we do this. It's not just to put on a show, but to have people take it home with them and say, this is something I want to do and something I can do. And that's on a family level, something that can be organized at home in the backyard on a kitchen table. I've just been fascinated how kids benefit from seeing people do real things, their response, just like going to a music concert and you say, Hey, can I play guitar? But it's like going to a maker fair. You say, can I do that? Can I do biology? Can I do construction? Can I do these things? And they don't think that's beyond them. They think that's something they can do. And that's what we want to encourage. So that's a great response to hear. Yeah. Um, given we're still really dealing with COVID in many ways, I, I just want to remark that you probably felt like you were walking a tightrope sometimes. As event producers, we often worry about the weather, right? What's yes. going to happen if a big storm comes? We're not post-COVID yet, but we're at the kind of tail end, it seems. But you still could feel that all this planning, all this work could be really affected by COVID. We had that always hanging over our heads for the, the beginning, right when we said, yes, we're going to do it. Every time, every day, we were like, we don't know what's going to happen. But we continue planning with the thought that we were fortunate enough to have the event, half of it outdoors. We made sure that we could, as best as we can, social distance, having gaps in between booths, which under normal circumstances don't look good at all for aesthetics because you'd be like, that's a gap. Who's missing it? <laughs> but tried to do that. We gave, we gave makers more tables so that they could be further apart from each other. And we were in the village center where we had the other half of the maker fair. We had the walls that were glass walls that could be lifted up. So we were able to open the walls on both sides for uh, the airflow. Uh, we kept it spaced out. So in the sense that we had fewer makers, not as many jam packed as before, say 2019, there were visibly some guests, but that was intentional because uh, that was the best we could do. We had sanitizers everywhere. We gave people the opportunity to wear their masks if they felt comfortable and they wanted to. But at the end of the day, I think having that COVID uh, cloud over was, I'm hoping that we did our best. Yeah. And I think everybody appreciated that. Any numbers from your event that you could share? Like how many makers and how many attendees? We're still in the process of putting those numbers together, but just by tracking some of the on-site ticket sales numbers on the dashboard. Surprisingly, I think we did much better than we ever did really? in past years in terms of numbers of attendees, ticket sales. Um, I could tell it was way beyond my expectations. Seeing just what I'm looking at, we 
came back strong. We have higher numbers than we did in yeah. 2019. It's, it's weird. It's surreal. But when you actually look at the numbers, you're like, we have bigger numbers than we passed. It just flowed really nicely throughout the whole day that it feel like chaos. Yeah. <laughs> that sometimes you get with some of the larger pairs. And we had an incredible turnout with makers. Um, it was a concern. What was the feedback from makers that you got? They love coming back. They're so happy about it. And they're excited. They're very, they're very set. What's the next one? You mentioned your student program that you did online. Are you seeing more schools participating and their maker spaces and other things getting involved in your event? Because the event is on Saturday, it's a little difficult to make this something that schools will promote as part of a regular programming uh, that they would offer. We can't really tell. And because of COVID, same thing, trying to promote them on our fair on with our flyers wasn't possible. There was no printed materials that could be sent out to the school. So everything was virtual online. I don't think that's been a, a dip in interest. I think this is something that will continue and we might be potentially considering having maybe a student make a day in the future that would help bring the students in through the schools to the maker fair. But that's something that we would think about moving forward and if that's something that we can pull off. Great. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to say about your event? No, I think we covered this. This has been such a humbling experience, at least for me, because I think we've all been battered over the past two years yeah. in every shape and format. And to be able to be back as, as strong as we did was really inspiring. I had the opportunity to work with an incredible team of staff, Lisa, my co-producer, and volunteers and supporters from all around. It was just quite, it was humbling. And I think this is something that's so needed. It's not just an event one day, you just come and have fun. No, it stays with that. The spirit that re gets renewed. I had one of the uh, trustees on the board of, of uh, Fort Jefferson Village. She was a volunteer directing traffic. I said, I'm so sorry, but I just need you there. You just have to make sure nobody comes and drives in and, and kills anybody on the street here. So she was telling me and that what she felt was not just directing traffic by hearing as people leave the fair and she's asking us, oh, what do you do? How did you have fun? What did you make it? And you have these kids carrying all their, their, their inventions or their, their things that they make in their hands and they were all just so excited talking about what they did for the day. And she said, oh my goodness, this is they all, they're tired obviously, but they're just so excited that they leave with that spirit. It's something that, you know, and I have to thank you, Dale, for <laughs> being the brainchild, the father of the maker movement. <laughs> Because this is something that it's just so integral to the community. What makes it a movement is people like you spread it in your <laughs> communities and activate all the good people that, that the makers that exhibit, but also the people that come not knowing what it's about sometimes. Mostly they but, don't. They're like, right. what's going on? What is a maker fair? I love the image of kids walking out with things in their hands, bubbly yep. and talking about what they're going to do next. Thank you, Angeline and Lisa, for what you have done and continue to do. The adrenaline rushes right after the event. You really feel it. And then it goes away. It is a yeah. little bit like, where'd that go? Yeah, there's a little bit of an adrenaline crash. Yeah. We all do it yeah. because of the love. Yeah, <laughs> great. Thank you, Dale. Bye.